Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. We're going to finish up our series today called After God's Own Heart. After God's Own Heart. And we're going to, we're going to uh, look at the key to finding your place and taking your place in the body of Christ. After God's Own Heart. So we want, as, as God's sons and daughters, we are people who know the heart of God and what He desires to do in the earth through His church. Let's go to our main scripture, Acts 13, 22. Hallelujah. Acts 13, 22. We're going to start in the Passion Translation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for transforming us this morning. Hallelujah. You are the source of our life and strength, and we thank you for revealing Christ to us this morning, for setting people free. Everyone who hears or watches this message, we thank you for your liberty bursting forth in their life. And we ask you, Father, to give us a clear vision of who we are in you and what you've called us to do, that we would all serve you with joy. That, Lord, you could do what you've planned to do in this earth through us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Acts 13, 22, the Passion Translation. God says of David, he says, I have found in David, son of Jesse, a man who always pursues my heart. So David had a 24-7 agenda, and the heart of God was on it, right? And will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. Mm. The message translation, verse 22. God says, I've searched the land. So God is looking for this, right? 2 Chronicles 16.9. And found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart. A man who will do what I tell him. The Amplified Translation says, who will do all my will and carry out my program fully. There are many realities you can live in, and I use that term very loosely. In other words, there are many things you can give your attention to, and, and what you give your attention to the most is what seems the most real to you. So we learn from the Scriptures that this natural realm that we're living in is, is not the realm, that it came from the unseen realm that it came from the realm of the Spirit. Everything we see came from what is in see, unseen. And in Romans 1.20, it says, how does it say it? Uh, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being evidenced from what has been made. Right? So we can see uh, often what's going on in the spirit realm by what's happening in the natural realm. But there are many things we can't see. 
So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a new creation in him. Your spirit is made new. Not your body and not your mind, but your spirit. And as you renew your mind to the truth of what God says about you, that reality of your new spirit begins to dominate you. And your soul and your body become servants to your spirit. If you don't renew your mind, your soul and your body are going to control you instead of your spirit leading you. Your soul or your body will lead you. All right? So I say that because we're talking about God who is unseen. We're talking about the heart of God, which is unseen. The only way to know the heart of God is to renew our minds to the person of Christ in the Scriptures. And we went through this in the, in the, in the beginning of this series. We saw that Christ came into the earth and revealed to us the heart of God and the Father's program. Do you remember that? Mark 16, verse 15, we'll read it again. This is the heart of God. Jesus is the heart of God. So the heart of God is not a mystery to us because Jesus revealed it. God is not a mystery to us because Jesus revealed him, right? Mystery is for, or is for those who don't know him. It's not for us. It's not for the new creation folks who know who they are in Christ. The mystery's been revealed in Christ. Jesus gives to us God's program, and as we read the words of Christ and believe them, the unseen realm becomes seen to us. Things that are in the spirit realm become clear to us that others can't see. You'll begin to see things that others cannot see. And oftentimes, sometimes Christians who may not be uh, walking in the Spirit or haven't renewed their mind will criticize other Christians who say things because the Christians who haven't renewed their mind can't see what the one who's renewed their mind sees. And they'll criticize that. And they'll put that down. But when you begin to renew your mind, you can see that by His stripes we were healed. You can see that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can see that the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. You can see that Christ was made poor so that we might be rich. You can see things that can't be seen in any other way. So Jesus reveals to us the program of the Father, which David would fully carry out in his life. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel to every creature of the whole human race. So we see this program is what we're committed to, to preach, to proclaim, to produce, to publish openly the good news of who God is, what he's done for us through his son, who we become in him, so that the entire world can hear it. We want to fill the earth with this too good to not be true message so that people can hear of his amazing love and so people anywhere can hear, believe, and be saved. I was looking at some stats of a podcast, one of our podcasts. And, you know, after the United States, there were 27 other countries where someone listened to, to one of our messages. Isn't that cool? I had to look up some of the countries. I didn't know they were countries. There was that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? 
We look at the stats on our live stream. People in different countries, places I've never been. Some places didn't even know we're there. And people are hearing the gospel. Isn't that awesome? That's the Father's program. We're publishing the good news. Hallelujah. So people can hear it. If they don't hear it, how can they believe it? Right? Someone's got to tell them. They can hear it, they can believe it, and they can be saved. And all of us are called to be involved in this program. We said earlier in this series that the church, the believers, the born-again believers in Christ, are the cast in the Father's program, that we've been called out of the world's way of thinking to worship God. We talked about this last week. We've been called out of the world's way of thinking. We've been called out of the media's agenda. We've been called out of political parties. We've been called into the kingdom of God to think as he thinks and speak as he speaks. This is who we are. Hallelujah. We've been called to hear from God. The church are people who've been called out of the world's way of thinking to worship him, to hear from him, to walk with him, to flow with him, to let him flow through them. Right? That's who we are. Hallelujah. So David, God said, chose to make his program, God's program, his priority. He was a man who would carry out God's program fully. This is what caught the Father's eye in David. And I like David. Uh, in his, his uh, early first part of his life, he, he really uh, he set the standard for relationship with God. He rose above the law. He did things the law said you couldn't do. He ate the bread that only the priests were supposed to eat uh, because he had a relationship with the Father. It's relationship with the Father that elevates you above the old, old covenant way of doing things. If you don't have a relationship with him, you cling to, you got to cling to some written code because you're not in a living relationship with the person of God. Right? And those who are clinging to that written code will criticize you because they, they're holding on to the letter of the word, the letter of the law, which kills, but they haven't found the spirit of the law, the person who wrote it, right? David, he, 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 he broke rules. In, in, he, was, he was rejected by his own family. But he chose to pursue God above all else. He chose to make the Father's program his life mission. Now, in David's time, David lived under the Mosaic Covenant, right? That's what we call the Old Testament. Who was the church under the Mosaic Covenant? Israel, right? Where did Israel come from? Well, Israel was a man. Who was his dad? Isaac, right? Israel's name before it became Israel, for God changed his name Jacob's name to Israel, right? It was Jacob. Jacob's dad was Isaac. Who was Isaac's dad? Abraham, right? So Israel was Abraham's grandson, right? And that, that became a nation of people. You understand that? Nations, that's where nations come from, people, right? Hallelujah. And it started with Abraham. So under the Old Testament, the church were the people of Abraham, the nation of Israel. David made the heart of God and therefore God's people a priority. David was very passionate for the things of God. In fact, in Psalm 69, verse 9, he penned these words, Zeal for your house has consumed me. 
zeal for your house has consumed me. A man whose heart beats to my heart and who will do what I tell him and fully carry out my program, zeal for your house has consumed me. Who else did they say that of? Do you know? Have you ever heard of Jesus? In the New Testament, right? Didn't they say that of Jesus when he came into the temple and there were uh, crime was taking place? People were ripping other people off. There were corrupt things going on in the temple. And he, he cracked a whip and flipped over the tables and kicked them out. And they, and they remember what the prophet had said, that zeal for, for your house has consumed me. You'll see the heart of David was the heart of Jesus. He was a prophetic forerunner of Jesus, King David. Very important. Now, we know program, we said in this study, means to write publicly, to set before the public, to broadcast and publish. Did you know that David was an expert musician? Ex excellent musician. That when he would play, there was an anointing on his playing that would chase evil spirits away. But he was highly skilled, and I, I enjoyed over the years going through and studying because the book of Psalms is like iTunes. It's, the, it's, it's God's iTunes. And, and you go through and study, there are a lot of musical terminology in there that's from a different culture and a different music, but it's some passionate, fiery music, the book of Psalms. I can't wait to hear it when we get to heaven. It wasn't just this, it wasn't this kind of, you know, vanilla oompa oompa stuff. It was fiery, passionate, hot music, all right? And David wrote lots of psalms. He wrote lots of songs. He published the Word of God. He published God's program. He broadcast and published it everywhere he went. He wrote song after song and psalm after psalm. And you can know if it's a psalm of David because it'll say it underneath the number of the psalm. If it doesn't say a psalm of David, if it doesn't attribute to a writer, we don't, maybe don't know who that is, or there were others who wrote psalms as well. But many of them were psalms of David, right? Now, can you think of someone, well, let me say this. Let's go to Luke chapter 249. Let's, let's read the heart of David revealed in the heart of Jesus. Let's look at the connection between Jesus' heart and David's heart. Because when I look at what God said about David, it reminds me of his son, Jesus. That Jesus was someone the Father knew would carry out his program fully. He knew that Jesus chose to uh, make his heart beat after the Father's heart. So he's someone who made, uh, who made what was important to the Father important to him. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, this is what 12-year-old Jesus said about the Father's program. He's speaking to his parents who were much older than him, Right? Maybe twice his age. I'm not sure how old they were. But they were adults. He was 12 years old. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Why have you not chosen the same program as I've chosen? Why did you think life is about anything else other than the Father's program? 
right? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Sounds like David, zeal for your house has consumed me, right? The message translation says, didn't you know that I had to be here? He was in the temple. He was in church. He had to be there. Zeal for your father's house. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Dealing with the things of my father. I had, does that mean he was forced to be there? No, his parents didn't even know where he was. He meant, I have made the things of God the priority in my life. Jesus is our example in this. In terms of our heart priority and our heart attitude, Jesus is our example. He, he demonstrates to us what life is truly all about. And if you're struggling, wondering what your purpose is, wondering what your life is all about, set your heart on the heart of God. Choose to make your heart beat with his heart, and you will discover the very reason you were created. The answers, the meaning of your life is found in the heart of God, but you've got to come to the place where you have to to be in his things. I can't waste my time anymore with man's wisdom and what man says is important, what culture tells me I should be. I must be in the things of my Father. Zeal for knowing him has consumed me. This is what we're called to. Not just a minister, but every member of the body. He calls us to a red-hot, fiery, passionate, intimate relationship with him. (laughs) The Passion Translation says, Jesus said to them, why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house consumed with him? I want to invite you to become consumed with Jesus Christ. Oh boy, he's really getting radical now. (laughs) Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus This same attitude, I'm consumed with him. I must be involved in the things of God. I must be in his house. I must worship in the temple. I must plant myself and hear the messages every week. I must hear what God has to say to me. I must learn the word of God. I must renew my mind. I must grow in the things of God. I must walk in all that the Father prepared for me. I must fulfill my destiny. I am about the Father's program. I am consumed with what he wants for my life. Real Christianity is fiery and passionate. It involves every cell of your heart and being. (laughs) And this is who we are, Highway Family. We're those people who are consumed with knowing Him. 
And I'll tell you, growing up, I never heard anything like this. Never heard anything even close to this. And, uh, you know, I was a, a young kid living with my grandfather, my grandparents, and, and had relatives in the house. And they would, you know, they were adults, and they were talking about all kinds of things. They were trying to figure life out. And they had people they listened to. And they would, you know, here I am, a little kid sitting around the table with, with these people talking about different philosophies, you know, and, and they were trying to figure out what life was all about, and they would give me advice as a kid. And as I got older, I got a lot of advice from adults who, who were in different professions. But something troubled me. It seemed like there had to be more than, than what they were telling me. It seemed like there was things missing in their heart. I'm just telling you what I saw as a kid. I wasn't criticizing them, and I'm not putting them down. This is, and I didn't know how to articulate this as a young person, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. But it just seemed like there was an emptiness in this, with this advice I was getting. And as I, as I grew older, it, it became more apparent to me that this pressure that the world puts on you to be something is empty. See, if you, you, the, the people around you want to pressure you to be what they think you should be. But they didn't create you. They have no idea who you really are. None. And they can't because they didn't create you. The best they can do is pursue Christ themselves and help you move forward in what he's called you to do. God is the one who made you. He knows what industry you're to be in. He knows what you're called to do. He knows how you're to employ your time and your talents. And this became apparent to me, and I didn't know any scriptures. So at 17, I just began talking to God, saying, God, show me. Show me who you are. And I, I, had I known scriptures or heard messages like you heard today, I wouldn't have to, had to go through so much time of, of, of not understanding. But boy, I would take hours and walk with God, say, I, I know that what people are telling me is, is not it. Show me yourself. And that's what I would do. I'd walk for hours and just talk to him as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus reveals to us the meaning of life. Hallelujah. And when you become consumed with knowing him, you'll discover your life purpose. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. The key to finding your place in the body of Christ is cultivating a heart after God's own heart. It's the key. And I've seen so many over the years struggling to find their purpose. But I knew they hadn't given God their whole heart yet. Things will seem like such a struggle when your whole heart doesn't belong to Him. Because you'll want, you know, you'll want to grow. You'll, you, you want spiritual things. You're hearing it. It sounds good. But you haven't yet given Him all. I mean all you've got. Every part of you, every desire, from the teeny tiny ones to the supersized ones. Give him all you've got if you want to know your place. If you want to take your place, if you want to fulfill your destiny, this is the key. 
become a person who cultivates this heart after God's own heart. Become totally consumed with knowing Him. Now there will be some who are going to reject you because of this. That just comes with the territory. They rejected Jesus. You've got to decide, are the opinions of others more important to me than pleasing my Father? You have to, you have to answer that question. You can't just say, uh, yes, I, I, I agree in church. You, you've got to, on the, in a Wednesday afternoon, when your colleagues are surrounding you, pressuring you to make a decision that violates your conscience, you've got to already have this thing answered. So when the pressure comes, you can stand on what you believe. You see, the strength to stand comes from being consumed by him. <laughs> it's funny. People talk about trying to strengthen their faith or get more faith. You don't have to do that. Don't even think about faith. Think about knowing him. Faith is the result of focusing on him. As you behold Jesus, faith will just grow in you. And actually, Jesus will become your faith. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. That's, that's, that's being consumed. I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, yet Christ lives within me. And the life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Where's that at in the Bible? Galatians chapter 2, right? Verses 20 and 21. We're consumed with knowing Him. So a heart after God is a heart that must be involved in the things of God. A heart after God is a heart that joyfully serves Him by faith. Philippians 2.5. Let, well, let me, let me read the end of verse 49 in the Passion, of Luke 2, 49 in the Passion. Jesus said, It was necessary for me to be here in my Father's house, consumed with Him. Then Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this same attitude and purpose, humble mind, be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let Him be your example in humility. Now, the church has always been God's priority. And that might sound uh, like we're being exclusive, but in some ways, I guess you can look at it that way. We are. But when I say the church, I'm talking about people who believe on Christ. People who've put their faith in Christ. People who've declared Jesus Lord of their lives. I'm not talking about a religious organization. But... That makes sense when we understand that the church is God's family because children are priority to the Father. So I'm exclusive as a dad. You're not more important to me than my kids. Sorry. And you never will be. So it's exclusive, okay? Because they're my kids. That's how parents should be. That's, is that a good thing? Yes, it is a good thing, right? You need a father like that. A father who makes you a priority, who considers you the most important person on the planet, right? Look at what Jesus said. Remember, he's our example in the attitude of our heart. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Let's just read some scriptures about Jesus. 
Because this is what we're cultivating, a heart after God's own heart. This is the key to finding your place in the body of Christ. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Wow. And to give his life a ransom for many. Wow. Let him be your example in this, right? So Jesus himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know it was a joy to Jesus to go to the cross? What? How could that be a joy to him? Because he knew what the results would be. He knew what the, the fruit of his sacrifice would mean. In fact, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. So we are like Jesus. We don't look at, at, at the things of God or serving God as, Oh, I've got to... You know, I've got to sweep the floor, or I've got to uh, arrange these chairs, or I've got to uh, talk to that person at work about Jesus. We don't look at that things that way. We're, we're looking at God, the heart of God who wants everyone saved. We're looking at the fruit of what he asks us to do. So we're willing to do whatever he asks us. We're not focusing on what he's asked us to do, but we're believing in the fruit of what we do. Right? The results of, of obeying him. The results of doing what he's asked of us. Right? In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do, that's as broad as you can get, right? If you're doing it, this applies. <laughs> Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for men. I exhort you to start that today. Whatever you're doing, whatever field you're in, if you're going to work, if you work at home, if you have your own business, when you step into work mode, do it unto the Lord. Do it unto Him, not for man. Do it unto the Lord. It will change the way you work. It will strengthen your heart. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So really, we spend way too much thinking about what we're doing instead of the attitude we're doing it with. God's all about attitude. Now, we're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about expanding here at Highway. I mean, we've come through a challenging time with these overreaching public policies and all the fear of this weak virus and all of the misinformation. And, but we're, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep expanding. We're not, we're, not, we're not skipping a beat. Hallelujah. But I'm telling so in the, in the body of Christ, as I've uh, walked my journey with the Lord, I was thankful to hear uh, early on in my walk with the Lord, uh, I, I, I came in contact, went to a, uh, a seminar by Terry Nance, who wrote the, uh, uh, the Armor Bearer books. And they were very popular, uh, but they become classics. But it talked about how to serve in the body of Christ, and it used David as an example. 
that, that we come into the house of God ready to do whatever needs to get done. Not because we're going to get a pat on the back. We're not looking for anyone to say, boy, thank you, you're great, so glad you did that. But we're doing what we do unto the Lord. So the pastor, Sam Smith, who, I, who really helped me understand my calling, basically his advice was very simple when I began to share with him the things in my heart. He said, do whatever your hand finds to do. In other words, if you notice things that need to get done around here, go ahead and do them. And, and I took that to heart. And I didn't care if anyone knew I was doing them. I wasn't looking to get the pastor's approval. I wasn't looking to get uh, favor from people. I was doing it unto the Lord. So I would do things in the, in the janitor's closet. I would straighten and rearrange things. I would uh, do things with the inventory and the supplies. I, I'd go into corners of closets that people didn't even know were there and, and clean things out. I would, I would do things behind the scenes people didn't even know I was doing that made things function better in that church. And whatever he would ask me to do, I'd say yes. Not because I was some robot you know, just, uh, yes, sir, I'll do whatever you ask. It's because I was, I was after the heart of God. And I want you to hear me. You've got to see beyond people into God's heart. Because God will move through people. But if you look at the person, you're going to miss the heart of God. So in God's house, I realized, now he wasn't a perfect man, or, and his wife wasn't a perfect, they were wonderful people. Uh, and they exemplified a, a loving uh, husband and wife and father and mother, but none of us are perfect. And, and I'll tell you, you know that already. I'm sure I'm far from perfect, right? But there's something going on in God's house through the leadership. Yeah. And, I, and it's, it's, but you have to have a heart after God to see it. And I would just do whatever was asked of me with, with no concern of what my payment would be. Didn't want to get, wasn't interested in getting paid. or who would see me, and my relationship with God just began to grow and grow and grow. And God just began to move me forward. He began to reveal to me his calling on my life, and it was by serving him. And there were some challenging times. It were times where it was not easy. It demanded much sacrifice from me financially, time-wise, energy-wise, talent-wise. I gave a lot of talent and time and energy that would have earned me a lot of revenue that I didn't see any revenue from. A lot of sacrifice. Why would someone do something like that? Because they're after the heart of God. You see, what you're doing, if you're asked to, to arrange the chairs, arranging the chairs is really not what's important, but the attitude that you arrange them with. Right? It's not what you're asked to do. It's the attitude you do it with that will promote you. Right. L- listen, God, and I, don't get into a, a works frame of mind. We're not talking about earning favor with God. But I want you to know God's not going to put you. Let's, let's say you've been called into full-time ministry. Okay? Whew, there's so much here. Because I know there are people in here that have different dimensions of callings here. But let's just say you've been called into full-time ministry. This could apply to any field that you're in. 
It could be in the medical profession. It could be in the education field. It could be in technology. It could be in any field. Whatever you're called to do, this same principle works. But um, for our, our sake of what we're talking about, let's say you're called. So uh, to preach the gospel is a calling. And to do it on a full-time basis is a calling. How do you get from knowing that you're called to actually doing it? Well, it's not going to happen in a day. And God's not going to say, okay, you realize you're calling. And all of a sudden puts you in a position where you have more responsibility that you can handle. Where, you, where you're beyond what you can handle and getting stressed out. God is a good father. He wants to prepare you and get you ready for what he's called you to do. And the primary way he will prepare you is through service. Why? Because service is pure if you've got the right heart. Serve it because it's not about us, right? In fact, Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. See, this is the key, and this is what people don't shout about often, and they don't want to hear messages about it, but this is really where the rubber meets the road. And I have, I've had people over the years, I'm not picking on anybody, I'm trying to help people, but they come up to me and say, I have this gift, this spiritual gift. You know, and it may have been any a number of the gifts that are listed in Corinthians. And that's wonderful. And that's a good thing. But a gift is something God gave you. You didn't do anything to earn that. Let me say this to you. Gifts do not develop your character, but service does. Now, the world is all about gifts. The, the world is looking for talent so that the world can make money off of that talent. God's not that way. You, are, you remember the famous quote, of course, this is going back, I don't know, maybe 70 years ago. Marilyn Monroe, one of the icons of Hollywood, said that Hollywood would pay me $5,000 for a kiss, but not 50 cents for my soul. That's the world's value system. So the world will take someone with talent and promote them and make fortunes off of them, but they really don't care about them. And how many have we seen over the years in the entertainment industry immensely talented? Well, they were given that gift by God. They were given that gift by God. Unfortunately, they didn't pursue him and know him, and the vultures came in and began exploiting them and wrecked their lives, and they ended up ending their lives or losing their lives instead of fulfilling their destiny. God doesn't want that to happen to you. And it's a principle that I heard early on in my life, and I'm so glad I did. It's that uh, your gifts can take you where your character can't sustain you. So we want to develop our character now so that when we step into what God has for us, we're strong enough to say no to the confusion, no to the pressure, no to the temptation. But we grow in that. And serving Christ is the best way to grow into your calling. So I'm thankful that I learned this early on in my walk with him, and I've, I've lived this out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Excuse me, let's go, uh, yeah, verse, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work. I served, I didn't care if I'd ever get paid for it. I didn't care. 
I wasn't interested in, in money. I wasn't interested in, in living the American dream. I wasn't interested in having nice houses or nice cars or being looked at as a guru. I wanted the heart of God. I wanted the heart of God. I became consumed with his heart. And God, I knew that God was faithful. That, in fact, it, it pleases God for you to know that he is your rewarder. Right. Hebrews eleven six. Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints. See, that's his priority. Who are the saints? Saints are not statues. You know that, right? Got to remind us of that. Who are saints? I'm looking at them, right? Anyone who is born again is a saint, right? St. Pete is here, right? Two St. Pete's there over there, all right. I love it. Yeah. So if you've been wanting to meet St. Peter, there you go. And he's right here. Yeah, because you've ministered to the saints and do minister. Look at the premium God places on his people. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us good to er do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The church has always been a priority to the Father, those who know him. Why? Because the church are those he's living in. The church are those who carry his presence. Right? God, the church, we are the vehicles God moves through to reach the world. We are. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize how important you are? You are the vehicle God moves through to reach the world around you. This is very powerful. My prayer as we've gone through this series that we would realize how important our place is in the body of Christ. That we begin to see church differently. That we wouldn't see it as a religious organization, but that we'd see ourselves as God's sons and daughters, as vessels that God flows through, and that we'd plug into the program of publishing and broadcasting this message. So the church, we're the vessels that carry his presence. We're the people who hear from him. We're the people who renewed our minds with what he said. We're the people who think differently, right, than the world. Yes. Huh. The, the church, if the church is strong, God can do great things in the earth. If the church has not renewed their mind, if the church is bickering about doctrine, God cannot flow through his church like he wants to. This is a big deal, isn't it? If the church gets clogged up with, no, uh, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith, but you also have to do this, and you also have to do that, and you can't do this, and, and you can't do that, and you can't have a Christmas tree in your house, and you can't carve pumpkins, and you can't. What are we talking about here? Are we saved by grace through faith or aren't we? Yeah, we are, right? Is, it, is John 3.16 the gospel or isn't it? 
right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him and does not carve pumpkins and does not have a Christmas tree and gets fully immersed in water and says their prayers every day and does the rosary and lights candles and goes to confession, uh-uh, that's not the gospel at all. That clogs things up. It confuses people. And God can't move through his people like he wants to move because we're all clogged up inside with confusing ideas of man. We're doing everything we can to, to get those ideas, to expose those confusing ideas so that people can be free to just believe Jesus. To just believe Jesus. Only believe. So the heart of a servant is a heart that looks to God to see what he wants done in the earth. And a heart of a servant recognizes that the church is God's priority. Because they are the vessels he will move through to reach the world. He wants his church to prosper and flourish. We're getting ready to have a special offering for a media campaign. And we've, we're going to share that with you in a little bit. We have a breakdown of all the costs. It's about $20,000. But God wants the church to be able to, to buy things worth millions of dollars when they need it. He wants the church to be the most glorious uh, group of people on the earth. Why? So that, so that he can flow through us and do the things he wants to do in the earth. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. And you'll know if you've been coming to Highway Church for any point in time, we often confront ideas that will clog you up. All right? And poverty is one of them. God wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to prosper. Now, not only uh, what God wants to be done, but when you have a heart of a servant, and I want you to listen to this, and then we're going to wrap this up. When you have a heart of a servant, when you have a heart after God, you not only look to God and, and begin to value what he values, but you begin to look to him as the source of your identity. Your identity become, grows out of your, uh, your being consumed with him. I hope this is coming across. So as you just immerse yourself in who he is, fill your mind and heart with his word and worship him like we were doing earlier. Take your praise breaks during the day. And become consumed with serving him and knowing him and walking with him and being a vessel he flows through, your identity begins to be unveiled. Now, that's important because if you don't do this, your identity is going to come from other places. In fact, growing up is such an important time because what is said or not said to us oftentimes forms our identity as adults. Now, that can all be changed by renewing our minds. But God's plan is that children would grow up in a home where the parents speak the gospel, the good news, who tell their children who they are in Christ. Tell their children how much God loves them. Tell their children all that God did for them through Christ. Many of us haven't had that, right? But David was a, a person, I think we, we don't realize this sometimes, but he was a person that was rejected from his family. In fact, 
many scholars, as they study the Scriptures and study the, the time of David, they believe that David was actually conceived illegitimately. That his father had an adulterous relationship with a maid, and that David was the result of that relationship. And it's interesting, if that's the case, but they think that is why David was left out in the field that his own father didn't call David in when the prophet came to his house. And the, and the prophet had said, bring all your sons before me, but he didn't bring David. In fact, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, many translations will say that Jesse referred to David in English, they say, as the youngest. But actually, in the Hebrew, the word is katar, Q, I don't know how to say it, Q-A-T-A-N, Q-A-T-A-N, and it means of no account or unworthy. That his father referred to him as the one who is of no account, the one who is unworthy. Can you imagine your dad referring to you as that way? The prophet, and in that day, prophets were esteemed. If the prophet came to your house, you stopped everything. They had a, they had a reverence for the things of God. And the prophet Samuel came to, to Jesse's house, and he said, I want to see your sons, for one of them uh, God is anointed to be the next king. And he brought in all of his sons except one which he didn't consider worthy, which he called of no account in front of the prophet. Because the prophet went through and the Holy Spirit said, it's not any of these. And he said, do you have any more sons? He said, well, there's the one who's of no account. Isn't that amazing? We're talking about a heart after God. What was David doing out in the field? Worshiping God. Cultivating this relationship with God. So his father rejected him. Mother rejected him. His siblings rejected him. And they put him out where no one could even see him. Now, you could want to get mad about that, right? You can tend to want to get bitter about that. But what did David choose to do about that? He chose to take advantage of this isolation and cultivate an intimate relationship with God. My father's, my earthly father, Jesse, has given me the lowest responsibility, has rejected me, but I'm going to do my best at this. And, and if a lion or a bear tries to take one of my dad's sheep, I'm going to attack that lion and that bear. And in the name of my Lord, I'm going to kill it. That's an intimate relationship with God. That even though my earthly dad rejected me, gave me the lowest responsibility, put me out where no one can see me, considers me unworthy, and, and doesn't even bring me up at important events, I'm going to get to know my heavenly Father out here in this field with these sheep. And he wrote songs, and he sang praises, and he, he studied the scriptures, the scrolls. And he began to know how much the Father loved him. And he got to the point he was so strong in the love of his Father that when danger came, he attacked it head on. And we know what happened to David as a young man. Right? That that uh, enemy came against his nation. Remember, when you got a heart after God, you have a heart after his people. His brothers went to war, but the entire uh, fighting force, military of Israel, was terrified of Goliath, the champion of their enemy. 
And for 40 days, the enemy taunted them, saying, just send me your champion. And whoever wins, wins the whole war. And these trained fighting men in God's army were, were so unfamiliar with God that the voice of their enemy paralyzed them. And here comes the one who was rejected and out in the field of no account to bring some food to his brothers. And he hears the same voice, but he responds to the voice of fear differently because he cultivated this heart after God when no one was around. You didn't know there was this much to serving in church, did you? Right? I'm telling you, if you'll serve God in your local body, if you'll make yourself available to do whatever it needs to get done, and you'll do it without the thought of uh, getting a pat on the back or, or being known or being approved by the pastor or, or getting paid, if you'll do it with a pure heart and you know that God is your rewarder, that he is faithful to promote you, you'll be amazed at what he'll do in your life. You'll be amazed at what he'll do in your life. Psalm 27, verse 10, this is what David said. For my father and mother have forsaken me. He knew what that was like. My father calls me unworthy and of no account. My father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Man, this is special to me. This is special to me. Hmm, hallelujah. Hmm. There's something special that happens when you realize knowing him is all that you need. That you're on this earth to know him. And that the approval of man is really a passing thing. And I exhort you, Highway, to make knowing him the passion of your life. David refused to let the rejection of his family define him. Even though he was forgotten, he was at the bottom, he was out with the sheep, he took advantage of that time and he worshiped God in the midst of rejection and being considered unimportant and unworthy and of no account, he cultivated this intimate relationship with God. You see, back, I guess it was... In the late 80s, early 90s, even in, all through the 90s, I began to look at serving God as an opportunity to cultivate my intimacy with Him. Whatever that was doing. And I was asked to do things I had no knowledge and skill in. You know, I was like, okay, I'll try. You know, but I don't know how to do that. Well, you'll learn. So I'd start studying and learn, trying to do the best I could. It wasn't a gifting of mine. It wasn't a skill of mine. But I, but I realized that by serving him, that I was, as I'm doing this thing, I'm talking to God about it. God, I was just asked to do this. I don't know how to do it. Show me, you know. And I realized that serving is an opportunity to cultivate an intimacy with him. Hallelujah. It's not what you're asked to do, but the attitude you do it with that will promote you. God looks at the heart. Hallelujah. Now, something that is essential, this is the last scripture I'll read and then we'll pray. Essential to serving God is walking in love. 
And as we move forward and as we expand at highway and as we grow and begin serving him in more ways, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And I'm going to read it out loud through the Amplified. Because this is what has been shed abroad inside of us. This is who we are now. And when you begin serving, I, my, my pastor, uh, Pastor Sam, years ago, and uh, he, would, he would often say, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. It's <laughs> but if you deal with people, and we're all, I'm a people, right? You know that there are a lot of challenges, right? Someone got offended because you didn't say this, or you did say that, or you didn't call, or you did call, or whatever. You know, there's uh, people at all kinds of different levels. Some have, have trained themselves to be very easily offended. Some listen to the wrong voices, so when they hear your voice, they don't hear what you said. But love is the victory. Love is the way to over. Uh, ride above these things and achieve God's plan. So this is who we are as we serve. This is a heart after God. In verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. So as we're serving, this is how we conduct ourselves, right? It is not conceited, Arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. This is who we are, Highway Family right? We're not touchy. We're not fretful. We're not resentful. We take no account of any evil done to us. We pay no attention to a suffered wrong. We don't rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoice when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. I've memorized that passage in at least three translations. It was the NIV, the Amplified, the Weist, because it just changes me every time I say it, and every time I meditate on it. But I uh, know the Lord has asked much of all of us and I know that what he wants to do in our lives requires faith. If you are doing something in your life that you can afford and that you feel you have the ability to do, then you haven't discovered God's plan yet because it's far beyond what you feel capable of doing. It's far beyond the resources you currently have. God wants to take us beyond what we've asked of, dreamed of, or imagined, and it's cultivating this heart after him that will enable him to get us there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us through it all. Lord, you love us through our stinky attitudes. You love us through our touchiness. You love us through when we, we aren't listening or aren't watching or, or, or say things we shouldn't say or don't say the things we should say. You love us through all these things, Father. And Lord, it is a privilege to be your saints to be your sons and your daughters, to be called 
to publish your message, to, to write it down, to publish it, to broadcast it around the world. And Father, we thank you that we can do that through the internet. We thank you, Father, that we're living in a day that we can stand here in East Taunton and that through podcasts, through live stream, through the Internet, people in, in, in many other countries can hear. Many parts of the United States and around the world are hearing how good you are. Father, thank you for this, this day we're living in. Lord, as things get darker, we get brighter. And we thank you that your light is radiating from us. And Father, I pray, because I know that every person that's, that's come into this highway family is here by your leading. And I pray, Father, that each one of us would cultivate a heart after you, that we would become consumed by knowing you, that we'd spend time with you and take praise breaks and, and fill ourselves with the reality of your love for us and your word and renew our minds and realize that we're your vessels in the earth. And Father, lead us forward into all that you've prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He loves you so much. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.